Reveille, reveille, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. It is Monday, the 22nd of March, 2021, and it is time, as it always is in this portion of the week, for Morning Combat. Hello, everyone. My name is Luke Thomas. I am from CBS Sports. The gentleman on the other side of the screen, he too is from CBS Sports, all the way from San Juan, Puerto Rico, my friend and yours, the, well, I would call you the apathy. You're more the Nikki Jam to my Maluma. It's Brian Campbell. Hi, Brian Campbell. Hi, Luke. I didn't catch all of that because of my McDonald's Wi-Fi, but I'm sure it was pleasant and it wasn't <laughs> insulting at all. But uh, happy to be here, Luke. The 12-day odyssey uh, is is nearing completion, but uh, uh, yeah, we back. Okay? Trust what? me. We back. How, how was your weekend in uh, in Puerto Rico? What did you do? Uh, sun, fun. I got to taste the island, so to speak, Luke. Ooh. I love the... I got to say this. Look... The, the good Lord uh, did something special in, in this, the beauty of this island from the beaches to the mountains, the rainforest, and really the people, Luke, a passionate, loving uh, group of, uh, of folks. I've had a, I've been welcomed with open arms, Luke, despite the rental car disaster of last week. And I'm happy to say that uh, I have become one with this territory, Luke. Did you have Mofongo? I have not had that yet. I have not. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the, you know, the food, maybe the food could be a little better, maybe. But, you know, who, what are we to complain about, Luke, you know? Ooh, what, that's what a strong statement. Well, if you've never had mofongo, it's awesome. It's a Puerto Rican specialty. Um, okay, well, glad to see. Uh, you know what? Do you, I can't tell if it's the white balance on the camera. Did you Did you get a tan or no? It doesn't... It well, doesn't. Did, you don't look pasty, but I can't say you look tan either. No, I did spend the day in the ocean yesterday, but I, apparently I went a little too heavy, Luke, on the SPF 50, hoping to avoid an outright rock lobster this Thursday night on NBC Sports. So maybe mm. I should have uh, toned it down. Maybe, maybe you know, aimed for a little less pale. Maybe a nice jaundicey mix. But you know, what what can you do, right? And I'm guessing that you pp'd in La Piscina, right? I'm, I'm betting. <laughs> I'm betting I mean, you who did that, Luke, right? I mean, that's what it's there for, right? You know, I mean, do you think, do you think <laughs> early we... man looked around for a uh, a, a porta pot? Yeah, look, can we be honest about the power rankings of where it's like the most fun to urinate? Pool is your number one seed. Pool is Nick Saban's <laughs> Alabama. Can we be honest about I mean, that? Luke, do you ever notice that the MB embryonic womb is full of warm liquid, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just it's where it's where we're just trained for this, okay, Luke? You know what I'm saying? Why is I'm, three quarters I'm, of the globe filled with water? You tell me. I'm fulfilling my genetic obligations when I urinate yes. in the pool. I want everyone to understand that. Okay, we have a lot of show to get to. There, in fact, was a lot of combat sports. UFC put on a show. It wasn't the best one, but there are some important topics to get to from that. We had a bunch. Actually, you know what? The biggest headlines from the weekend, we will not start this way, but I think the most interesting one, certainly anyway, came from the boxing side of things. So we'll look at that. Plus, we have some bad news about a UFC title fight. First things first, if you're watching, please give the video a thumbs up and then hit the subscribe button. Thank you to everyone who is joining us. This, is, of course, is brought to you by Showtime. If you would like to try Showtime, you certainly can. You can go to Showtime.com and get a 30-day free trial. And I believe they put the graphics up. If you get it now before Bellator, 
You can go to the, the URL you see right there, show.com slash BellatorMMA, $4.99 for the first six months. And I keep telling folks, this is not like zone where I'm a zone customer. And yes, I watched Virgil Ortiz over the weekend. It was sweet. We're going to talk about it. But when that's not happening, there's nothing to watch. You get the entirety of the on-demand Showtime experience if you're not watching Bellator, which is wow. a ton. By the way, did you watch the, th- I think it's a three-part series they did on Takashi 69 the making of a supervillain on Showtime? No, I have not seen that, Luke. Can you comment on it? It's amazing. Giancarlo Esposito, who is the guy who plays Gus Fring in Breaking Bad, uh, narrates it. Uh, he also plays uh, Gideon, uh, Moff Gideon in, um, in uh, The Mandalorian. And uh, he does an incredible job narrating it, and they really tell the breadth of this story. They get all the guys, not all the guys, they get many of the guys he snitched on. They get his former DJ. They get his former, like, Long-time girlfriend who he has a child with, like all this stuff, and they all and they and they have all, all this old footage and blah blah blah. It is r- super entertaining, very well made. And dude, I just feel like Giancarlo Esposito, everything he touches turns to gold. Like he doesn't fuck anything up that he's in, you know. No, and I and your passive aggressive statements against the zone have not been covered up well by saying you're a customer. You will have a Ukrainian oligarch on line one after the show, Luke. Okay. Also, what do you want me to say? Like, I, when, if, if fights ain't on, I ain't in it. I mean, there's just, I don't know what you want me to do, but okay. Hey, there's a lot of Ock and Barack to digest. There's, uh, you know, Chris Mannix, our, our good friend Todd Grisham, who looks great without a shirt. Okay. Hey, did you see Grish launched a, uh, a UK-based boxing video game this weekend? Great, great for that guy. I love that guy. I did not see that. That's pretty interesting. And I do love those guys, but, you know, I, I, I'm just saying, you can't watch the making of a supervillain with Takashi 69 on the zone. That's all I'm pointing out. All right. If you want that's, to get some merch, and we okay. have, we are told that the there's going to be a major update very soon, which none of you believe, but I'm telling you, they are shoving it down. Our, BC, tell them what the truth is. They're coming on here every week and telling yeah. us that we got stuff, a tidal wave coming. So I, while you, Luke, were doing your typical pre-show ba- bathroom break, uh, I was talking to the merch man on this Zoom uh, call, and he says that the uh merch 2.0 which will be available internationally is at the printing presses as we speak luke i assumed showtime had sought out the uh the cheapest bangladeshi factory but apparently it's uk i mean u.s made luke okay made in the usa and you and i will be receiving our first samples next week to wear during fight week of uh pitbull sanchez to showtime bellator mma the debut ahead of april 2nd and shortly after, Luke, this crap will be available. And I can't wait. We've been promising. I mean, good God, I feel like uh, Geraldo standing in front of Al Capone's vault. We've been promising this shit for a long time, Luke. But finally, our good friends in the UK, Australia, uh, the UAE, uh, Doha, uh, uh, Karabati, uh, Sao Tome and Principe, uh, Comoros. Okay, okay, Cape okay, Verde. okay, 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 All okay. All of our okay. friends and those will be able to wear our shit. I cannot wait, Luke. Sweet. All right, and then um, yeah, I think that's really about it to get things started. So, without further ado, let's. Okay, topic number one, BC. We start with UFC over the weekend. All right. Well, what happened? Derek Brunson wins in your main event, defeating Kevin Holland via unanimous decision. Not sure I feel about some of the scores, but. Not going to bicker with it too much. But here's the problem, BC. It's not so much a surprise, I think, to some anyway, or even a big deal that Brunson won. I don't think that's what people are upset about. What they are upset about is that Kevin Holland talked the entire way through. It appeared to be 
when I say appear, I want to point out something. I did not listen with the volume on. So I was kind of surprised by some of the online reaction in terms of the severity of the takes. But the takes online anyway, ABC, are mostly that they are really upset that Kevin Holland looked unprofessional, was a lack of seriousness, just seemed to not be invested in fighting the fight, more to be entertaining himself and having fun in there. And that really upset people. So what's the truth? Did Kevin Holland shit the bed? Or is Derek Brunson four in a row now, two back-to-back overhyped prospects, deserving of more credit? Well, look, you know, very few things are absolute in this game as we break down stuff. So when you make a hard statement, as I did on Twitter immediately after this bout, saying basically, I hate to say it, but Kevin Holland embarrassed himself in this fight. But what that doesn't mean, Luke, is it doesn't mean he wasn't close to a knockout at certain points. It doesn't mean that his strategy of seemingly aloofness and, you know, trash talk, it doesn't mean that there's not a calculation within that. So you got to understand the nuances here. And believe me, the, the reaction to this was incredibly polarizing. People calling me racist to people, you know, fully supporting it. Here's what I meant in my take, ultimately. I do think a lot of what Holland does keeps him loose. I got no problem with that, right? Being almost like he doesn't care, trash talking. I also think part of it was an attempt to set up Brunson. I don't know if you noticed after round one, he comes up to Brunson, puts his arm around him, pats him on the ass. It was kind of the same stuff Holland did at the end of the face-off on the weigh-in, where it was sort of like, is he lulling him into a, you know, a fr- friendship mode. There, there's some elements to that which is strategic. And considering the fact that Holland, who he did show this at certain points during this five rounds, can be explosive, can end a fight at any given time. I'm not here to say this guy's a clown. He had no business doing what he did. He has no strategy. He blew it. I'm just saying that kind of stuff works to a point. And when you get to a point where you are ultimately being dominated, was it an exciting fight? No. He was largely being controlled for most of the fight. It's got to be where the trash talk ends at that point and the sense of urgency kicks in. So, look, it made the fight entertaining. And you know me, I'm BC. I love bullshit, right? Him talking to Habib in the corner, yes, it was entertaining. But this is the biggest fight of Kevin Holland's career, fresh off a 5-0 and run from, you know, being a journeyman, we don't really know him, to being, is this guy a sneaky next big thing contender in this division? This was his close-up moment. And the fact that down the stretch of this fight, Luke, I did not see urgency. I did not see a commitment to winning. And even in those final seconds when he's sort of like, yep, it's over, see you later, and he's turning his back and walking away, how else should we react to that? It was an embarrassment. Doesn't mean he didn't have moments in this fight. Doesn't mean he can't bounce back from it. But this was not a great night, all things considered. When ESPN spent an hour or two hours before this fight, Luke, showing him buying jewelry, showing him buying a shoe collection. And again, I'm not saying a fighter can't can't live the spoils and do that. But it sort of showed a... A portrait, right? We don't live with Kevin Holland. We don't know the hard work. We don't know the focus. All we know is watching those vignettes and then watching his performance in the fight. It looked like a guy who, uh, I don't want to say was overwhelmed, but something was off where he didn't put his best foot forward. I've given this speech before, of course, about Michelle Pedeta, and some people yes, hated it. And exactly. they said, I'll be seen. Well, look, when Pedeta bit down and, and, and narrowed down the theatrics and focused more on inside the cage, 
He's looked fantastic of late. He looks like he could be something. Kevin Holland has amazing attributes inside of him. He can be the same thing, but there has to be a line, Luke, between I do this stuff to market myself, I do this stuff to motivate myself, but when it comes time to figure out what's happening inside that cage, your intentions have to be toward victory. This doesn't mean, again, that Holland did not have any moments or wasn't close to winning this fight, but all things considered, when you take a snapshot of what we saw over 25 minutes inside the cage this was a bit embarrassing for a guy who was looked to be on the verge of busting loose and breaking forth and in the end this is what we're talking about after the fight you tell me if this is this is a good look i don't think it is all right so i actually don't have as strong uh a revulsion to it and in part i think it's because i watched the fight without sound and so, A, I didn't hear him talking, and B, I didn't hear the commentators talking about him talking. I mean, at times you can see him moving his lips, and you're right. He had a real buddy-buddy kind of body language with him. Here's the thing I'm up against. So answer me for this, and I'm not saying you're wrong, because I'm going to play devil's advocate here because I think you got a much more clarified position on this. What is the difference between what Kevin Holland does and, and again, I'm not saying there's not. I'm asking you to tell me what it is, what Kevin Holland does, and not so much Michelle Pereira, but like, Emmanuel Augustus, what would you say is the difference between that talking that he does that puts him in his comfort zone that is unusual and that gets him some wins sometimes, or at least, you know, certainly facilitates it nicely when he does win, uh, but isn't a style you would want to copy outright? I realize there's probably a lot of differences, but what would you say? Well, there's a lot of differences there. Emmanuel Augustus did the whole drunken, whatever, what do you call himself, the drunken master. And a lot of that awkward movement and looking like he's turning away but then he comes back with a punch that's meant to distract and set up and people think this is about look it, it it's hard right now when you make a statement do, do like, you think do you think that i'll let you keep going but just, just to clarify do you think holland's trash talking he just does it for reasons unrelated to strategy or that it's also strategic or not and i, I don't know that there's a right answer on this i'm just asking you I think it's a combination of strategy to get in the head of his opponent and to fire himself up because it makes him the most loose. So when you make a statement like I did on Twitter, again, in in 280 characters or whatever, you can't show your full nuance. I'm not saying nobody should trash talk in the cage. I love trash talk. It's catnip to me. I'm saying when it's not being used to funnel the best out of you, when it becomes a distraction, then you're going to get some criticism right here. I love theatrics. I love trash talking. It got to a point in this fight, watching from a distance, where I was seeing a guy who wasn't urgent and wasn't putting his best foot forward. I don't think it's necessarily comparable to Emmanuel Augustus, who was using that stuff to distract and set up his opponents. I think there were times Holland was doing that. I think Holland got to a point, though, where it had to be clear to him that he was losing this fight, and I didn't see a focus on, I need to do everything I need to do to win this now. Uh, that was disappointing. So then you get Dana White saying afterwards, I think he had a mini mental breakdown. I think he froze in front of the lights. I don't know if I'm going to go that far, Luke, but there was a disconnect inside of him where I don't know if he was okay. I came this far. I was on my back for most of the fight. I almost won by knockout. Hey, I'll take the L and move forward. I just saw somebody too willing to accept that and go, hey, I put on a show. That's cool. At this level, Luke, when you get to this point, it is about winning that fight. I'm all with the theatrics, but the theatrics have to be aimed toward winning the fight. That's why when Michelle Pedeta is gassing himself out, dancing to the cage, or trying to do backflips off the cage in the middle of a fight that don't seem to line up with his best foot forward to try to win it, 
I'm going to criticize you because there are things you can do outside of the cage to market yourself. But when it comes inside the cage, if that's not aiming toward helping you put your best foot forward to win, you're going to draw criticism. And by the way, me criticizing Kevin Holland is, is actually a representation of I believe this guy has legitimate elite talent. I want to see him put it together. Had he not done all that trash talking, would he have won? It's weird. It's weird. You keep saying the trash talking. It's not the trash the talking. talking. The per talking. Se. All, all, all of that. All of those antics. All the things that contributed to it. If you put that aside, because by the way, I went back and I watched his Brendan Allen fight again, and he didn't do any talking there whatsoever, trash or otherwise. Uh, he still lost. Would he have won this bout if he had not done that? I don't know, Luke. I don't know. You would like to have seen a certainly. You know, it's not like he's without not without holes. You would like to see him. Uh, have a better response to what Brunson was doing. Brunson controlled this fight with wrestling, but yet Brunson did also receive a lot of criticism for maybe not being offensive enough or looking to go for the finish. It looked like there were opportunities for Holland to try to figure out how to work his way back into the fight and to see how close he came in two different instances to stop him via strikes. W would a removal of the antics allowed him to focus better? Maybe. But Luke, how can you not criticize somebody who's clowning between rounds and, and yelling at Habib, which again brought entertainment, but maybe that's the best time to talk to your team and figure out how to counteract what's actually happening and try to win the fight. Yeah, I mean, I, I only have two responses here. It sounds like what people are mostly upset about is not so much that he let a fight get away, but that he just exhibited, he, he broke code. There was a principle of seriousness to the matter that he did not adhere to. That's the best that I can seemingly understand from whatever, again, Listening on mute had a very different experience. I didn't think it was great, but I didn't. I was like, whatever. Um, here's my only response to all of this, which is to say, if if it bothered you the lack of seriousness, it, to me, it's like, what does a fighter want? Do they want to really get really far? Is he happy with how far he's gotten? You know, depending on what his goals are, I, I don't know whether to criticize him or not. If his goals are to get further than he is, well, then he is just you know acting buffoonish. If he's if this is really what he wants, then I don't know. Do, you live your life, but. The thing that I think is kind of interesting to me is the question I asked you last, and I, I don't know that there's a good answer, but I'm going to hazard one, which is had, ha excuse me, had Holland not done any of those things, talking, blah, 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 would he have won? And I don't think the answer is yes. You can't really say for certain, obviously, no one really knows, but on this show on Friday, BC, we set up the reality that he has a 52% takedown defensive rate, Kevin Holland does, probably worse now. Going into that fight, it was 52% over a pretty decent stretch of takedown attempts and then obviously successful ones. You knew he wasn't going to get back up. You knew he's not a strong scrambler, and you knew he doesn't have a, some game off of his back. You knew a little bit. But you, what we also said, Brunson has lights-out takedowns for the most part and doesn't necessarily is not necessarily going to be situated here to do a lot of ground and pound. We literally said all of those things and that it could be a boring five-round fight. Dude, this is not a surprise. I mean, if you don't like what Kevin Holland did, fine. I, I, I don't really care one way or the other, but I can understand people being unsatisfied with that kind of an approach to the game in that kind of a scenario. It just seems really weird and off-putting. Fine. But I don't think that the outcome would have been even slightly different 
had he tried to <clears throat> not do any of those things that pissed people off. And so to me, it's like, if you want to well, be mad at Kevin Holland, last thing, last thing, last thing. If you want to be mad about- question. Yes, but let me just finish it. If you want to be mad about Kevin Holland, be mad at the fact that irrespective of this approach, he did not have the wrestling skills he needed to on Saturday night, period. 100%. But I want to ask you this. I think this sums up this whole debate to me. Did he exhaust every option to attempt to win this fight? Because I think that's ultimately what you ask of a fighter at this level. Uh, you know, sometimes fighters, it's just not in them to go for broken brawl. But did he exhaust every possible option to attempt to win this fight? My takeaway was no. That's ultimately my issue. Not the window dressing of the trash talk and the Habib stuff. Yes, that's stuff we pointed to to make our point. But my ultimate point is... There came a point where he just seemed to be okay with losing. Do you agree with that at all? Or are we on opposite ends of the spectrum and or the continent here? Uh, I don't agree. Sorry, I do agree that he did not put in as much effort as he could have. But you could say that about a lot of Kevin Holland fights, including many victories. You could say that probably about a lot of fighters in UFC, including in many victories. They don't always, every time, give everything they have to winning. I don't think that's a very... very a fair threshold. If you want to say he gave less than even average, yes, pretty fucking clearly he did not do a whole lot. I mean, I'm not I'm not going to tell you he deserved to win or that was like a great performance. It was a shitty performance. But I'm just trying to point out what you get with Kevin Holland here. I think people are right to be turned off by what he had done, but you got to make a separate argument about why he lost. It looked bad in light of a loss. Its absence does not create winning conditions. And so that, to me, is really the bigger issue here. He can strike, and he's got a good chin, and he is a game guy. He doesn't seem to get injured. There's a lot of reasons to believe in his upside. Uh, but unless he solves some of these other problems, it's just going to be what it's going to be, and then the talking might not really even be that big of an issue anymore. Then let me ask point. you a counter question here as well, Luke, because I, I did get a, and look, I, I take, you know, people's responses and comments to me seriously. I want to understand what am I missing? I did get a lot of people saying, BC, you just don't get it. So let me ask you this sort of devil's advocate question. There's a lot of people saying, uh, ultimately, this is what I, this is what I transcribe from what they're telling me that, okay, um, Within this fight, Holland knew he wasn't going to beat Brunson because Brunson had that wrestling control. They got to a certain point where Holland realized that. So what he ultimately did was made himself the storyline so that ultimately this loss doesn't really hurt him as much because we are spending, for example, the opening 25 minutes of this show not talking about how Brunson controlled him to win it, but talking about Kevin Holland. Do you think in, in sort of a smarter-than-we're-realizing way that marketing-wise, this was actually a really strong move, that this won't really hurt him as much as we think, that had he done zero of these antics and just stayed underneath Brunson's wrestling control, that his brand would be hurt a lot more than it is now, where we're talking about it like crazy. Maybe a little bit of that. I, 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 yeah, I can see what you mean. Like, Had he tried hard and still been dominated, that would have been worse. Here, it at least leaves a little bit to mystery. There probably is something to be said for that because you can't... I think there are people who are confused about this who think that if he had really just you know, gone balls out and tried, he would have won. And so I think if you can curry some kind of support with that crowd, that might help you long-term. Sure, that's fine. But there's no denying that like whatever visibility he gained from this, he squandered. You can't argue that he meaningfully added a fan base or whatever ones he had he appealed to or that he raised his stock as like a figure of attraction that you would want to see. I don't think it's you know ruinous or anything like that, but it, this this fight didn't didn't contribute to that direction.
That's all. By the way, Brunson did look pretty fucking good, dude. Like, I know he had problems in the second round. I get it. He didn't do a lot of passing. The guy's got a 100% takedown defensive rate. Won four in a row now. Two over hype prospects. Like, I don't know, man. I'm not saying he's fully reformed, BC, but, like, what's the difference between the Brunson of old and this one? I'm not necessarily seeing a bunch of new wrinkles, but I'm seeing a bunch of things where he used to make mistakes. All of those are gone. It's a lot more of a concerted, smart, disciplined, thought-out game. You got to like it. It was efficient, right? And it wasn't as if Brunson didn't get into danger where I thought there were two separate times. Maybe it was round two and four. I forgot specifics, but where I thought he was on the way out. I'm like, I've seen this story before, right? I like what he's doing. And, and look, there is a lot of criticism coming back at Brunson. I mean, people are almost discounting this performance altogether to just say, you know, he stuck with the one thing that was working and man, he bore us out holding on to it. I don't necessarily see that. I see a guy who at 37 has figured out how to get the best of what's left of him. To, to, his, to his belief, he's at maybe the best point of his career in terms of the full understanding of the game, mixed with the hard work, the experience. And I would agree to that. Could he have done a lot more to go for the finish and all of that? Possibly. But Luke, I don't think he's at a point in his career where he's going to wow us or is trying to wow us. He's trying to win fights. So when you understand who uh, Derek Brunson is at 37 and what he's been through and what he learned about himself and the losses, altogether I'll say, look, this was a solid performance. No, it wasn't you know, entertaining as crap. It didn't lead me to believe Brunson is this much closer to beating an Israel Adesanya in a rematch to win the title. But he is uh, still evolving at small increments. And when you win four in a row, which he's done, and if you keep doing that against top five guys – you're going to get there eventually anyway. So let's not call him John Fitch at the end of the day. Let's also not say this was sizzling. It was workmanlike. He did what he had to do to keep Holland's best chances away from winning. And at the end of the day, he survived in advance. And I think that's when you're 37, Luke. That's what you need to do. By the way, uh, before I get dead wronged, Holland did take down Brunson in the fifth, which busted that 100% takedown defensive rate bracket he had worked up. But still, uh, in general... Very, very good takedowns. And, and, Luke, uh, before I get a uh, before I get the takes of you know BC standing on the porch giving the old white guy take. Do you agree that the video packages of Holland like didn't necessarily show the greatest light of a guy focused on uh, on winning? I know those are just you know hobbies outside the cage, but I took away from that that like you know I hope this guy's not spending all his paychecks right now. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. It's like you want to be very careful about being in a scenario where we're just judging everyone else's purchasing decisions. Like if we were subject to that kind of scrutiny, you know, I'm sure there's going to be a couple things in your ledger you're not exactly going to be able to defend for, you know, public consumption reasons. So in that sense, I, I want to be very clear. But on the other hand, it was like, okay, but it's one thing to go through someone's like bank statement and it's another one to take part in a shopping spree that's on videotape. Where, by the way, they had to do multiple takes of it because they got them going into the store. Then they got the camera crew to walk in the store. And then we've done this, BC. Then you walk in the door and they splice all the film together. Like, you're taking part in that. And I get that they're taking part in something that wants to promote the fight. But, you know, that's a choice, too, on his part. And so you just get a weird feeling. It's like, okay, you're a young guy. You're a great prize fighter. You had a sick 2020. You want to buy some shoes. Okay, I'm not going to judge it. You want to buy shoes and you want to buy a ring. And then the ring is, uh, you know, it's specialized and everything. And you're like, I don't know. I don't want to judge it, dude. But like the total package of it all, 
little red flagish. Little red flagish. A little bit, yeah. I will say this um, because again, BC likes uh, rebels, right? I like I like a lot of what Kevin Holland brings to the table from a marketing package. Believe me, that's why it kind of hurts me to be like. Man, he kind of embarrassed himself, but he did. I actually liked his reaction, Luke. I don't know if you saw that video. I think he put it out on Instagram where he's basically like, I'm going to keep talking, you know, and if you don't like it, deuces. Uh, I like. I actually liked that. Even though he's basically talking to me, he's, he's like, look, I'm going to do me, and I think he should, Luke. I also think he should look a little bit closer and, and learn from this because here's a, a very exciting striker who who is at his best when he is loose and free, and as long as he can just sort of uh, – you know, bring that in just a bit. I think he's going to continue to be able to climb and find out how good he can be. You know, last thing on this, you know what it reminded me of when he talks like that? That's what, like, um, that's what people do when they spar. You know, I mean, sparring is not a lot of talking. I mean, this is even by that standard excessive. But if you're talking to someone, the conversation could be anything, like nice shot. Uh, if you hurt someone, are you okay before you continue? Um, you know, I mean, there's any kind of small little things that are exchanged because – it's sparring is important and it can be you know certainly can go wrong if you're not paying attention obviously but in general it's that's supposed to be a little bit less serious than the actual competitive side of it he's like dude he's (laughs) he's talking a lot like a dude who is annoying you in pornos i've said this before like just constantly gibbery jabbery it is um i had to mute it i had to mute it like me in the pre-show luke when you like me during the pre-show uh, warm-up when you kind of told me off twice, really, uh, unnecessarily. I didn't tell you off. I was just saying you were the Kevin Holland of the show because the river of inane shit that was coming out of your mouth pre-show was distracting and I was trying to get into the zone. But BC, that out of the way. We have 30 fuck, 20 fucking minutes on this thing. Uh, let's go to point number two if we can. We'll stick with the card for right now, BC. All right, so Kevin Holland, Derek Brunson maybe wasn't the most thrilling thing in the world. That's okay, but maybe there was, BC. Who else on the card from UFC Vegas, what is it, 22 at this point, whatever one it was, stood out to you, and why? Uh, I was you know, disappointed, certainly, when that co-main event fell apart with uh, Gregor Gillespie and Brad Riddell, and it did sort of damage my expectations for this card. I'm going to give the card in general a lot of credit, though, because it was knockout after knockout. A lot of these undercard ones, Luke, hopefully will resurface today on Have You Seen This Shit? But uh, I really like Max Payne Griffin's job um, getting up to the co-main event, elevated up when this uh, original co-main fell apart. And then to see Griffin's comments afterwards that, Luke, it was essentially his dream as a fighter. We remember him as being a guy who's alternated wins and losses, you know, hasn't really been able to put it together yet in the welterweight division, went in there against a a, a game in Hungary, Song Kanan. But, Luke... um, I liked his story, basically, if he was, you know, praying to God and saying, you know, my next goal is to get to that co-main event, and it happened this week. You know, it was like his prayers were answered. And, Luke, he grasped that opportunity, and he showed some power, and it was a very strong win in getting that knockout, one of the highlights of the night with that first-round finish of Song there. Uh, How much do you think Max Payne Griffin at 35 is it too late here to put something together to go on a run, Luke? Because I, I sort of like the overall, you know, the the mindset, the focus, and then the finish in this one. I tend to think we've not seen the best of him. So if you're asking, is this about to be a stretch where we might, I'm pretty optimistic about it. How far he can take it, I don't, you know, do I think he can become champion? I, I don't know that we've seen enough to justify our belief in that. Um, but you're right, I do feel like he's poised to you know 
make the most noise of his career to date. How about that? Some, something like that. He did look really good. He seems to be in a flow. Um, everything just seems to be working for him right now. You know? All right. So for me, I will go with Adrian Yanez. Yanez. I went to 2-0 and in the UFC with a third-round knockout over Gustavo Lopez. Yanez looked really, really good. Got tagged a little bit. He's still working his way through, obviously, his own game and, and getting better. But really crisp boxing, great decision-making, great timing, not a lot of wasted movement. Really had Gustavo Lopez thinking through problems too slowly. He was seeing everything, reading everything. Lopez made it you know, about as hard as he probably could have, so credit to him for going out there and trying. Uh, but he was he was up against it with a guy like Yanez. Keep your eye on him. He appears to be somebody who is um, who might be making some noise in the future. Right, BC. And look, you and him had a little exchange on Twitter, right? I wonder if he's watching right now. War Yanez, bro. He might. He might be. Yeah, I guess he follows me. I didn't know. And I said something nice about his timing because his timing was ridiculous. If you look at the KO shot, BC, from the one obviously the one that put him out, Lopez. It lands when Lopez is throwing a big punch and lands right when he gets square. In other words, it catches him right in the dead middle of his of his uh, attempt. Just really impeccable timing, and I and I shouted it out. He liked it, I guess. So, yeah, pretty great moment. Yeah, from that. and Luke, anybody who. Uh who wonders our thoughts on that women's strawweight bout Montserrat uh, Cornejo Ruiz or whatever her name is against Cheyenne Bays. Uh, check out Have You Seen This Shit later in this show. Look, that was a wild ride. And hey, how about uh, Tui, Tui Vasa there uh, sending uh, Harry Humbuckler to the deep dark depths and then uh, probably taking a crap in the shoe afterwards, Luke. Uh, well, I will say this about Tui Vasa, man. It is it, win or lose. It is it is fun to watch, and uh, I do wait. You know, wait by the screen for hopes that he'll drink the shoey afterwards. Luke, I don't know if we'll ever see uh, Harry Hong Hong liquor again. Uh, I don't know where they found that guy, Luke, but uh, uh, he 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 tried to bring it, and and Tuivasa sent him there. He sent him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not a not a great fight. Um, by the way, it's not Cornejo. It's Conejo, which means rabbit in Spanish. Um, Yes, you got you got something good for. Have you seen this shit? What did you think of her tattoos, Conejo? Those are wild, Luke. Not only the the tattoo on Titi, but the ones on the back of the thigh when she's uh, rolling on the camera. Uh, you know, it's art, bro. That's art. Okay. I mean, what, don't ask me. You're the you're the you're the ink connoisseur, LT. All right, check out the forearm, brother. Yeah. The, a lot yeah. of a lot of uh, tattoo culture is. I won't say, well, a key part of tattoo culture appears to be overlapping with horror fans. I'm not into the Pennywise. It was a good tattoo, but I'm not into the Pennywise tattoos or you know Freddy Krueger and shit. I'm not. I don't. I'm not into that kind of thing. That's not for me. Uh, okay, let's go to point number three. Okay. This is okay. Luke. Uh, you into anime you, by any chance, Luke? MMA and anime have a weird crossover. I don't get it, Luke. I don't get it. Anime okay. and what does? Anime and MMA. I don't yeah. get it. Yeah, it's just the new generation. Yep. I'm not into I'm not into that shit. All right. BC, I have bad news for you. I know that Brad Riddell was supposed to fight Gregor Gillespie at the co-main event over the weekend. And it didn't happen. And I know that he didn't do that, not because he caught COVID, but he was traveling with Alexander Volkanovsky, who he is sort of teammate slash coach with. And Alexander Volkanovsky your reigning UFC featherweight champion, has tested positive for COVID. Now, here is the interesting part. 
I want to be clear about this. To our knowledge, take that for what it's worth, he did not get it from breaking protocol. They didn't take their masks off and go to a Buffalo Wild Wings. They had done everything that they were asked to do in going through transit and getting here and blah, blah, blah. So no one really knows exactly how he got it inside of this either travel experience or this bubble or wherever the transmission occurred, but it occurred. So now that fight between Ortega and he, that's supposed to be this weekend if memory serves, is now delayed. We don't know how delayed, but BC, I'll go to you first, please. Your overall reaction to this shitty news. Well, I'd like to see their flight plan. Did they stop in Miami by any chance on a layover on the way in, Luke? Super spreaders unite. Um, yeah, it's disappointing, Luke, because uh, obviously because UFC is on such an incredible roll right now. We're all waiting for 261 with that insane triple header there. And 260 looking strong with Stipe Francis, too. And I really wanted to see this. Look, it's still available on Morning Combat on the YouTube page. My interview with Brian Ortega, which Luke was, was a wild one. Okay, that man is... Uh, he's focused. He's either focused or or he's lost something up here, Luke. That was an intense interview. We talked Halle Berry. Uh, we talked a lot of stuff. I loved it. But in terms of this, Luke, it, you hate to see it. And uh, hopefully, as it seems, they're going to reschedule it soon. Um, I mean, what else can we say to that? Does this bump Tyron Woodley up to the uh, co-main here against Vicente Luque in your eyes? Uh, it might, but hold on, let's stick with this for a second. Does it, I mean, here's the thing about these like shows. They're going to do one in Houston now too. Again, dude, I don't know what Florida is going to look like. And you could say, oh, look at Miami. Okay. Well, that's not Duval County. I don't think Duval County is doing great. I should be clear. I don't, I don't think it's prudent to be putting on shows, but let's see before we all freak out. Let's just see exactly where the numbers are at that time. But here's the deal. It's not just an issue of. Is the audience going to spread it to each other? This is the real reality. you got a lot of international fighters all over the UFC, and some of those things take place in Fight Island, but a lot of it now is going to increasingly take place in the United States. It's got a much more, let's say, lax attitude towards these things than other countries. Dana White wants to take advantage of those lax attitudes. And if a fighter gets it, dude, it doesn't matter if they get sick. doesn't matter if they feel fine. You get this shit, you are off the card. That's the really uh, if, if the if the if having a shared destiny <laughs> is not enough to make you care about not spreading COVID to other people or getting it and then potentially spreading it, maybe the idea of your fight cards being ruined might. And I think that this is a situation where, dude, I bet Volkanovski and Riddell, I don't think that they took that shit lightly. I bet that they did what they needed to, and so you have to wonder. How the fuck did they get this? Because they know too. You get this does not matter how you feel. They are not going to let you compete. You are off the card. It has majorly impactful results. And dude, Brad Riddell, you can understand this. He just had a kid. His wife just gave birth, I think like a month or two ago, maybe even less than that. Now what does he do? Does He doesn't get a paycheck. Does he go back to New Zealand, go back on two weeks quarantine, wait, does he stay here and then get put on another card and then go back and miss a month of his child's life? Like, I feel terrible for Brad. I mean, Volkanovski's got kids that are a little bit older, but you can see, dude, just testing positive is fucking devastating. I feel for these guys, but we have got to work in careful, careful, careful environments. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting next few weeks because, I, you know, look, I was pro 
uh, UFC taking a very bold move for 261, putting it in Jacksonville, doing the full arena, closed arena for the first time, 15K. We know that whole story. Luke, I'm wondering, though, and, you know, even with UFC's incredibly safe and responsible methods of testing, of spending the money to quarantine, of the all that stuff through Fight Island and, and, and what have you, how many more of these main and co-mains are we going to, you know, could we lose ahead of 261 before this starts to look like a bad idea? And I know that people have wildly different views on this. You and I, to some degree, have, have different views. But obviously, a lot of our uh, our fans are just sort of like, what? COVID? What? So I get that people are all over the place. But Luke, um, what? Could, how bad could this get? You know, how much of a super spreader event could 261 be? Is this the right time? I mean, you're never going to know when it's the right time until you go for it. I really just hope above all that uh, that these fights stay together, that obviously the fans are safe in the building. Uh, I don't know, Luke. It's tough. It's tough, man. It's but, tough. I mean, yeah, listen, I mean, again. Luke, this listen. is my first global pandemic. You know, yeah, I, don't, I don't have a lot of reference points. Let's just know? see where things are in Florida in a month. You know, or I should say in Duval County and in Jacksonville specifically. Let's just... Let's just see how it goes. Um, but you, you know can be see great documentary. MK following you to Jacksonville. That'd be. I mean, that is must see theater, Luke. Without a vaccine, Less I'm not going Jake to fucking Florida. Sorry, no. Without a vaccine, I'm not going to Florida. No. Uh, uh, this diseased state. Well, luckily, no, Luke, am I, are, didn't you get pricked already? Didn't they prick you yet? No, not yet. This week. Oh wow! Gotta get, All gotta right. get that vax, buddy. All right. Uh, yes, Gotta I guess we'll have to that. see. Mm, mm, mm. So let me ask you this. Where should they put the fight? I mean, do you want to see it next week? Could they? How long do they have to delay if you test positive for COVID? I think it's usually like two to three weeks. See, I feel terrible for Brad Riddell. I don't know what the fuck you're supposed to do now, man. It's a mess. A mess. Yeah. Yeah. That's my, that's my take. You're damn right it is, Luke. Okay? Thanks. Thanks. Very great contribution. Okay. Uh, real quickly, BC, let's now go to the world of boxing, which we're putting it later in the show, but honestly, I thought it was a little more entertaining this weekend in general. So Virgil Ortiz Jr., the golden boy, golden boy, now that Canelo's no longer there. Well, I guess Ryan Garcia might be, but certainly Virgil Ortiz, a bit of a head-turner in a number of his own respects. He fought Maurice Hooker and won and stopped him, I think it was inside the seventh or so, something like that, and just did it with... Uh, he was tested a little bit, but he shined. I thought he passed this test with flying colors, BC. So number one, your reaction to the win over Hooker. But the bigger question now is, okay, do we have another big player at 147 pounds? Is this a guy who can really get some serious work done at the top here? He just might be. So should a fight between Ortiz Jr. and Bud Crawford be next? Well, let, let, let me pause the Bud Crawford part of it to say, look, this kid's 22 years old, Luke. He is the real deal. And this is why you book fights like the Maurice Hooker fight. And again, I know it played out the way we ultimately thought it would, especially because even though Hooker had one loss, that one loss came against Ortiz's stablemate, Jose Ramirez, your unbeaten unified champion at 140 pounds. And in a lot of ways, Luke, that Ramirez fight looked like this Ortiz fight where Hooker is tough enough, hits hard enough, and has that sneaky long reach. He had a four and a half inch reach advantage on Ortiz where he is going to make you fight. He's going to be in that fight. But if you're good enough, Ultimately, you can stop him. So this is why you book these fights, because Ortiz not only had the result 
which was best case scenario, but he had to work for it to earn it. I love that at the end of the fight, Ortiz had swelling around both eyes. Why? Because he had to go in there and fight for it. Hooker can punch hard. He's a smart boxer when he needs to. He stayed on the outside of that jab at a lot of times. And I just thought Ortiz, top to bottom, Luke, showed you exactly what he has. Look, I mean, if he was perfect and didn't get hit, he wouldn't be that exciting. His ability to balance, not not sim- not exactly similar to a Triple G. They got different styles. They're different fighters. But one thing about Triple G in his prime, Luke, was he was able to stand in the pocket and roll with that we you, lose him? yet really not take a ton of damage because of how responsible his defense was and how good of a boxer he was. At 22, Virgil Ortiz Jr. has an incredible understanding of boxing to be able to get on the inside, stay behind that high guard, not get beat up or tagged a ton, go to the body, do a lot of great stuff. Has this show fallen apart again? I mean, what is going on with this McDonald's Wi-Fi? All right, we're reconnecting here. I don't know if we're live here. I mean, you know, I can just... Uh, oh, there he is. There he is. Is my camera on? Do I have pit stains again? There he is. Yeah, you got some yeah. pit stains for this. real. Look at this Puerto Rico pit stains. Uh, yeah, they heard you the whole time, heard me the whole time. I've got... Por- I got pit stains in Puerto Rico. So my point here, Luke, is that Ortiz has so much savvy and veteranship to his young game. I love everything I saw. I love the adjustments he made, the power he has in the end. He made this a firefight because that was, in a lot of ways, his best chance to get Hooker out of there. Get inside under the jab and show us what you're made of. Luke, from what I saw, he's made of the goods. Is he ready for Bud Crawford now? I don't know, but the fact that he's basically looking around at the landscape of the type of fighters he has access to in the DAZN silo, right? Not not a ton of welterweight stars because if you're looking at the welterweight division, the star division of this sport, it's Terrence Crawford on his own island and it's everybody else under the PBC banner. And the fact that Week might be angling toward Bud Crawford right now, I love the fact that he's like, I don't know if I'm ready, but I am going after it. I want it. He was somehow humble in the after interview and aggressive. And Luke, is it sad that both Spence and Bud are in the same arena on Saturday night and that they both got interviewed and basically were like, I'm done with that fight, forget it. Is that a sad editorial on boxing? You're damn right it is. I mean, screw that, right? We've already seen recently Fury Wilder double network pay-per-views come together. It's bullshit. We're not going to see Spence versus Crawford next. But if we get Bud Crawford versus Ortiz next, if Oscar and Bob can find a way to make this work, Luke, that is a must-see fight. Um, you can't favor Virgil Ortiz. No, you certainly can't. Bud Crawford might be the best fighter in the world, right? But the fact that he's got the hot spot to go after it, I love this kid. I can't wait to see how good he can be. So basically the deal is Golden Boy and Top Rank will work together, but Top Rank and PBC won't. Is that the idea? Well, they did, they did for Fury and Wilder, Luke. It's always case by case. I think it does have a lot to do with Bud Crawford's contract coming toward the end in October. Will him and Top Rank be able to repair it, right? There's a lot in the air right now, okay? I think Bud Crawford could fight all those PBC guys, but he may have to go to the PBC to do it. But if our in-between, if Crawford's last fight under Top Rank, presumably, is a joint fight with Ortiz, let's super spread that shit, Luke. Let's get in the front row, you and me, arm around each other, brother. Let's enjoy this, okay? I would I would love... Sorry, I kicked my camera here. I would love... I would love to go to that fight. Um, vaccinated, obviously. But, uh, okay, so let's think about this for a second. So if you're 
Virgil Ortiz, why would you call out Bud Crawford because you're only 22? Maybe you can beat him, maybe you can't. It's certainly interesting. But the other options you have there are not that... Like, I, I, I feel like Bud Crawford's got more options, even on his own island, than Virgil. And I'll tell you why. You Well, you said no, so tell me why you couldn't do that. Because who, like, who would Manny Pacquiao make a fight with first? Ortiz or Crawford? Feels like Crawford, right? Well, the problem is the only free agent welterweights outside of PBC who matter right now, because look, you know, Americans on the way out, all this stuff is Mikey Garcia and Pacquiao, and they seem close to wanting to fight each other. So neither Crawford's already ran through the top rank stable two, three times. This is why this is just kind of perfect that they both need each other, meaning Virgil Ortiz and Crawford. You could argue that Virgil doesn't need him yet and, and at 22 could keep climbing the ladder. But, Luke, how many B and B- minus and C-plus guys do you need to knock out before you want to find out how great you are? It's time for Virgil Ortiz, even though he's only 22, to find out how great he is. The fact that Crawford is standing there and seems willing and do it. And here's the cool part is that, you know, uh, Ortiz just fought Hooker, who's trained by Bo Mack, Brian McIntyre who is also Terrence Crawford's trainer, right? And, mm. and Bo Mack was in Hooker's corner when he fought Jose Ramirez, who has Robert Garcia, who is Virgil Ortiz's trainer. So there's a lot of like, you know, it's almost like this fight has been set up and it's time to find this out. And look, this is by far on paper, the toughest challenge Bud Crawford would have had since moving up to 147 pounds. I mean, it is just a perfect fight in so many ways. Uh, you would favor Bud Crawford almost even solidly, but this is the type of guy who's going to get inside and make Bud be nasty. So you want to see that. Luke, can I get your opinion on the uh, Maurice Hooker interview with Chris Mannix after the fight? Did you see that? I didn't see that. I turned it off after he lost. What happened? Okay, so Maurice Hooker not only succumbed to body shots when he was knocked out, but he hurt his right hand in the process. So he had his right hand all bandaged up. And, you know, Mannix was like, was the knockout because you were hurt or because you hurt your hand? And so Hooker's kind of explaining it, and the crowd starts to boo him, Luke. And he stops in mid-interview with Mannix and is like, everybody booing me? Fuck y'all, I'm a warrior. And Luke, he left the interview, stepped through the ropes, and started to like go at the fans, and they had to hold him back. I was like, you remember you know that scene in White Man Can't Jump when uh, Marcus Johnson is in the crowd during the two-on-two tournament, and the tournament turns into a fight, and that little white guy's like, oh my God, we're going to lose our sponsors. And Marcus Johnson's like, yeah, yeah. That's what I was like watching that shit. Get him. Yeah, that was great, Luke. That's a, that's a good poll. I did not see that. It reminds me of Ally Aquinta after he fought Jorge Masvidal in Fairfax, Virginia. You're going to yes. boo me? You're going to boo me? Yeah, I remember that pretty, pretty, pretty yeah. clearly. Uh, yeah, I don't me. have a reaction to it. I'll sell you a condo. It. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I don't have much of a reaction to it except to say Virgil Ortiz versus Bud Crawford. Uh, BC, can you put a likelihood on that for 2021? Well, you know, boxing's got tricks, Luke. I don't know Terrence Crawford's current mandatory situation. But look, if you're Bob Arum and you're not sure if you're going to lose Crawford to the PBC, maybe the best thing you could do is make a fight with somebody who's not in the PBC. Because my argument as to why we will not see Spence versus Crawford now, Luke, is why would you basically give the PBC a fight when he's not under contract with them as like an advertisement for them to just sway him and take him. So then after Spence Crawford could fight Porter and Danny Garcia and all those guys. Yeah. I think it's very likely, very likely we see it this year. And uh, you know, I would jump out of my pantalones, Luke, to see that shit. Yes. Yes. 
Yes, Luke, I gotta get some uh, mofungo. Mo- motherfucker, I gotta get some mofungo. Mofungo, you know not mofung mofungo. You gotta put a little you gotta put a little effort into it. Alright, last but not least, BC, I watched this because why not watch it? Um it was funny. I was actually I never go to Georgetown because I fucking hate that side of town. But I went over there and I had to shop with my wife and I made a deal with her because the one place she wanted to go, a shopping store, had uh, I think it was with ESPN or whatever version had it on. And so I watched Artur Baterbiev or Betterbiev or whatever face against this German denies Dinez and he fucking demolished him. It was not especially close. It went a little bit longer than I thought it might. Jesus Christ, this was uninteresting. He looked to be Baterbiev, whatever, in tremendous physical condition. Your boy Joe Tessitore was taking his pants off talking about how much muscle uh, this guy had. I couldn't believe it. I was like, Joe, settle down, my guy. He is jacked, but Jesus. Okay, dude, did you learn anything yeah, with, after this 18-month layoff? Well, Luke, I don't know if you... I think we learned a couple negatives, unfortunately. Like, he won handily, but look, Dynas was a was supposed to be a lamb, you know, ready for the slaughter. I'll give Dynas credit. He, he pressed. He, you know, he got knocked down early, but, but kept coming. Unfortunately, Luke, it... It, he showed his layoff is the best thing I can say. It had been 18 months, whatever, since Better Beav had fought. He is 36 now, so I think they accurately portrayed uh, in the buildup to that fight on the broadcast that, like, it's time. He's going to have to package some fights together. We know that if Joe Smith Jr., the, the big punching Long Islander who has a belt at once, or he's fighting Maxime Vlasov coming up, if Joe Smith wins that fight, He'll bring his belt into a unification for, for three of the four titles. So that could be a, a fun next fight for Baterbiev, Better Beev. You better believe it. But Luke, um, he wasn't completely sharp. He had his moments. He never got into trouble. But he did get hit with more shots than maybe he should have against a guy of Adam Dynas's quality. But, you know, all things considered, there were no scary moments or major hiccups and this guy is really good, and I hope he can stay busy and show us it. Luke, did you happen to see the pre-fight interview involving uh, Mark Kriegel, GSP, and uh, Better Beef? And I didn't know that GSP and Better Beef, who both live in Montreal, were like best bros, train at the same gym. They're like, uh, you know, peanut butter and jelly there. It was pretty fun to see. I shared that video on YouTube like two weeks ago. I'm glad you saw it. Luke, I don't really search out your your Twitter account because I get all the good stuff through text, and I just you know I I filter that shit. Latina big booties on this side, um, real weird reactions to people shitting their pants on this side. You know, people don't Luke. If people only knew how uneducated your text mannerisms are, you know, they think I'm the the reject in this relationship. Okay, I do send you filthy, filthy things. <laughs> Via text message and DM. I send horrible, horrible messages to you every day. And usually I'm busy working or with a family, and I see Luke Thomas pop up on the phone. I'm like, oh, that's that's my quarterback. That's my man, right? Let me see. Does he have important information about the future of our business relationship together? No. He doesn't. He just right. has a question about masturbating at the bus stop. I don't, <laughs> I don't understand what he's doing. Sorry. All right. Uh, okay, BC. Well, I watched the fight. I didn't learn shit. He looked like she, he looked like ass. What are you gonna say? There you go. There's my analysis. Good enough. There's your analysis. Got it. Yeah. 
Uh, all right, so it's time now where you get to ask us questions on the show. We put out a post on Instagram every Sunday soliciting questions so we can answer them on Monday show. It is time for DMs from dogs. All right, this comes to us first from at heavy.falcon. Nick Diaz versus Kevin Holland. Who wins the fight and who wins the in-fight banter? Uh, I don't find Kevin Holland's shtick funny. That's just me. Uh, Kevin Holland would win the fight by decision because Nick Diaz would ultimately turn into like the Anderson Silva version of Nick Diaz and kind of avoid content and contact, excuse me, and lay around and do weird shit. But uh, I'd be front row to see how weird that shit would get. I would love the banter between them. Luke, it might be the kind of thing, you know when two great wrestlers fight, like think... Covington versus Usman. Sometimes they cancel each other out in that fight. They just decided that they would cancel each other out, and they just threw fisticuffs for twenty-five minutes, but or twenty-three minutes, whatever. Sometimes it cancels each other out. I would like to see whether the weirdness and the trash talking between the two of them ultimately just cancel each other out. That they just ended the fight with like a hug and a kiss, and we're like, you know, we're brothers forever. It's an experiment, social experiment that I'd be willing to see, Luke. Yeah, I don't find I don't find that kind of stuff charming. All right. From at tjm.norrisblack. This is a fucking great question. Whoa. Why do you think there seems to be much less prevalence of eye pokes in women's fights compared to men's? Jesus, that's a good question. I do not know. What do you think, BC? Very, it's very interesting. It's a, I, guess, I guess it's a fair point. Can I, do, I will say, though, that you noticed in Saturday's broadcast a, a much much more focused effort of the referees warning fighters who had the fingers exposed who even looked like they were getting close to ipokeville luke and that is a strong direction forward i don't really have an answer as to why we don't see as many women's fights affected by this it's not that it doesn't happen i don't know luke you tell me okay these i mean this this is a this is a good question i don't have uh i'm I'm just gonna hazard a guess would it be because they fight at slightly different ranges do they not use open hand pawing or grabbing as commonly as the men? Do they more commonly just clench and throw? Um, fuck, that's a great question. I don't. I'd have to really study that to, to have a better answer. But that is it's definitely something to pay attention to. I don't know if it's because they're just more disciplined fighters or because they don't have the same best practices around reaching. I don't. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. It's a yeah. great question, though. Um, Jesus. Yeah, it is. It is. All right. At Greg Leach 99 BC, <clears throat> do you think Steve Miocic being the underdog this Saturday is warranted? Jesus, is he? Or should he be the favorite considering his dominance in the first fight? Now, if the odds are to be believed, I'll pull them up here. Our friends at William Hill BC, they've got him as barely an underdog, plus 100 to Francis's minus 125. So it's pretty close to a pick em, BC. What do you think? Yeah, let's not forget that Ngannou was also the betting favorite ahead of that first fight. You know, after he had uh, sent Alistair Overeem to uh, a dark, dark place with, I think, the best up, the best knockout in UFC history, by the way. Um, yeah, I actually think in this case, Luke, yes, there are an insane amount of questions still about Ngannou. I think he should be the betting favorite because let's not forget what happened in that first fight in the first round. Like, again, do you see Stipe's face afterwards? He had to walk through hell early. Ngannou is a freak that is rare in these parts where it don't matter the stakes, the circumstances, the opponent. He can end any fight at any time. 
And I think we do have to ask ourselves this for Stipe. And yes, I will I will remind everyone that I've essentially picked against Stipe in every single one of his major fights. It just went down that way. Yes, he has a supernatural ability to uh, recover, to, to take damage, to figure out ways to win. His adjustments he made against DC in both fights were uh, incredible. But how much can one man take? And the thing is, I don't care how much better you are against Nganu, fight him enough times... He's going to find your chin. So, Luke, I will actually say this is this is this seems warranted right now. Yeah, um, I don't know, BC. I don't know. I, I don't know. The, the 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 lingering question about this fight. Someone asked it in the chat. Is like, has he really gotten better? Talking about Francis, and the answer is probably just by virtue of training, he's gotten somewhat better. But has he? The, the question is, has he gotten better enough to win the fight? Really, that's what that's really what they're asking. And dude, there's just no way to know. There's just no, you just don't have any tape of any kind of reliable sort to know. You do know that if he lands a big punch, Stipe's fucked, right? That's true for anybody because you know he's not uh, made out of vibranium. But short of that, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the hell's going to happen here. I could easily see a situation where it's like, oh right, he actually hasn't improved at all that's just all sort of smoke and mirrors or he goes in there and bodies this guy and um i don't know if i give each but one of those equal probability Luke, but i can't say which one's true. improved even if he hasn't improved he can still win this straight by knockout i mean the first fight was right. close and you know stipe's chin and his resolve are incredible but you've also seen stipe hurt in a lot of these fights right you know we've seen him knocked out by dc God, the damn skyscraper sent him to hell that one time, Luke. So it's possible, bro. It is very possible. And the betting oddsmen are favoring the younger, not younger by much, but the younger, you know, less wear and tear, a guy who only goes in there for 25 seconds, 30 seconds a minute at a time and has ungodly strength. I mean, scary. Luke, this man is a, is a physical specimen. He is a freak of nature okay you once told yoel romero to his face that your neck is the size of a tire um you see this man francis Ngannou shirtless luke and you you'll inevitably you know hide right i mean it is it is uh he wow right wow why don't you go luke? bang him you know, all right can you back me up so don't <clears throat> don't let me hang out there alone with this awkwardness please yeah. affirm my weirdness please man say yes bc you're right the guy's a brick shit house, bro no, I just think you're weird. All right, at triple A ten seventeen, I'm just gonna say it like that. How did Justin Gaethje BC go from being number one contender to now the only lightweight without a dance partner? I mean, we know the mechanics of how it happened, but I guess the question is like, what the hell are you supposed to do with this guy now? It's timing. It's just bad timing, right? You know, he's the last guy there to fight uh, Habib. It's just bad timing that he's coming off a loss right now where both Chandler and Oliveira are streaking. So, Luke, if Chandler does not beat Hooker by early knockout, Gaethje could be fighting friggin', you know, could be could be fighting Del Bronx for all we know for the title right now. I mean, there's a lot, you know, and certainly it should, it could be uh, Oliveira versus uh, Poirier, which it probably should be. It just so happens that Poirier has the window for the uh, Connor trilogy. And by the way, let's pause right here because we did get a lot of feedback of this guy saying, "Hey, B- Luke and BC, like." You're not making it look easy with this. How many interviews do you have to see Dustin Poirier mention both before and after the Connor fight that he values a trilogy with Connor more than he does the title? We get that. We understand that. Okay, we were sort of devil's advocating and trying to figure out the situation. 
Um, but yeah, Luke, it's just bad timing for Gaethje at the moment. I did like his social media response that he thought he was training for the Chandler fight only to find out that Oliveira got it and he's just going to keep training. He's just going to keep being him. He'll be back. He'll get a big fight. I think we saw enough good of him in that Habib fight, Luke. I, I know the storyline could be, you know, he ultimately succumbed like everybody else did. And it was once the fight got to the ground, it was a it was a quick uh, consummation. But Luke... He was one leg kick away from putting Dude, that. You are gonna go. You are gonna go to okay. the grave, really believing that that Habib was on his last legs, aren't you? I will get Habib to admit that on camera one day, and then you will eat your shit, Luke. You you will eat it out of Tai Tuivasa's shoe, okay, Luke? Yes, yes. Okay, the curse of God. no selling that joke last week, Luke, will come back to haunt you. Yes, dude. You I, and Harry I, I, I know. I know. I know that some of the mouth breathers love all of your jokes, but I have a refined palate. And only the very best ones get through, which yeah, happens sorry, on occasion. Yeah, but you're, listen, you're the, listen. Okay. We need to talk about urinating in pools more as I talk about my palate for comedy. All right. Uh, at Skybound Fitness. That sounds like a fucking account of a gym. Is this Tyron Woodley's last fight on his contract? I don't know if that's true, if it, if it is or it isn't. But surely if he loses his 20th round in a row... He packs his bag. So he's lost, what, three five-round fights in a row, which means he's lost 15 rounds in a row. Um, yeah, if he loses... Well, this one will only be three, so it'd actually be his 18th round. But BC, if he loses 18 rounds in a row, you think the UFC tells him to uh, pound sand somewhere else? I was thinking about this. I think he still has the... Even though he, you know, Dana doesn't love him, we know that. He still has the name value... And a little bit of relevance left, and he's lost a lot of relevance, believe me, Luke, that should he go out there and get into an absolute war with Luke and show a ton of heart and then, let's say, lose by decision, he's not packing his bags unless Dana's just like, F him, right? I think there is a way he can lose and not lose his job, but he's got to show heart and he's got to be in this and he's got to fight to win, which we can be very honest over the last three fights we didn't really see this guy fight to win. There's been a large, major disconnect, and it's been disappointing to see the the the, the quickness of how quickly he went downhill, and not a um, Hen and Barrow type go downhill where everyone's just knocking you out. Just a you know lifelessness we saw. Uh, yes, from the stand, there is maybe maybe a, a small percentage you can lose and move on, but uh, it's not wrong to call this a winner go home when you consider how unloved. He was even as champion with the promotion. Maybe some of that is is a difficulty to deal with. I don't know. I'm not at the negotiation table. I've always felt like they didn't give him, um, you know, the best foot forward from a marketing standpoint. But Luke, forget all that shit. Just as like a competitor and a man standpoint, there's a lot on st at stake here for Tyron Woodley to just remind us and maybe remind himself, like. Who he is, and, and and you know how good he can be. I mean, he's 38. He's not gonna. I don't. You know, I don't think. I don't expect a, a run back to the championship. I just hope for his sake, Luke. He can, he can redeem. Redeem his good name because those were those were damaging losses in a lot of ways. And I hated to see that because nobody supported his pound for pound relevance when he was champion. And and the fact that he, you know, if you look at the defenses, he's one of the better welterweight champions in history. Um, I hate to see how it's fallen apart, even if he had that really weird assless acting performance in that Netflix flick, Luke, with the cock chewing on his cock. I don't I don't understand that art. You mean Luke, the raccoon right? that you know, ate his her. genitals? 
Yeah, I don't, I don't get that, Luke. But then again, you listen to uh, school shooting rock, so I don't know. Whatever. I mean, you know, whatever, Luke. I like, I like jazz. I like the real music, Luke. I, you know, the more I get into jazz, I realize like that's new. That's like, your, that's, that's your painfully art, white. <laughs> no, that like I missed out all along. That's the realest of the real music, Luke. Okay, Aaron Bronster is yep. in my DMs left and right, telling me to listen to this and that. That's a man who gets class. That's a Canadian journalist who gets that shit, Luke. I love that man. Okay, AB. Well, if you yeah, if you look yeah. at William Hill sports betting, Tyron Woodley is the second biggest underdog on the card. Now that's still not a whole lot because he's sitting at plus two ten. Um, which is not—I mean, which is a significant underdog position, but not the craziest one you've ever seen. Still, uh, I, what? Why would you pick Tyron Woodley here? I mean, what has he shown you in 15 rounds that would ever make you think he could beat Vicente Luque at this point in his career? Nothing that I would say. But MMA's crazy; he, one never knows. What if he got an insane shape for this, and he went back to old school Oklahoma wrestling? Tyron Woodley, and he's like, I'm gonna Derek Brunson this guy. He, he didn't wrestle for out? Oklahoma. Oklahoma State, Luke. I'm meaning the state of Oklahoma. He, he, he didn't wrestle the, for Oklahoma State either. Where did he wrestle, Luke? Just Missouri. say it out loud, okay? Missouri. Okay, it's I mean, you know, Omaha, somewhere in Middle America, Luke. Okay, I mean, really, what are we? We're you know, come on, what, what do you want from me, Luke? Right? I know, you know? flyover country that you get mad at me for calling flyover country, and you're like, it's just all one big territory of hillbillies and toothless meth South addicts. Dakota, it's like the middle, Luke. It's the 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 the, the tornado bread belt. I don't know, Luke. Okay, I'm from the East Coast. We have a little bit of an arrogance with that, Luke. You know, you know. Why, why would living in Connecticut give you even a little bit of arrogance? Well, people don't realize, Luke, because I'm actually from the uh, the bottom of Connecticut, okay? I don't know if we've talked about this before, Luke, but I'm from uh, an area in Connecticut where you got to earn it, bro, okay? you got to fucking earn it, all right? Nothing's handed to you. Uh, yeah. You know what's handed to you? A pink slip, Luke, okay? You're just from a you know boring part of Connecticut, you know, not a rough birthday, part of Connecticut. I got a union card and a wedding book. You're from a place that's just not interesting. It's not like tough or dangerous. There's nothing wrong with being it's from very, a place that's Luke, not that interesting. It's just not a thing own. I have to worry about. I wasn't allowed at the Salem School courts after those guys were shot it up, Luke, over a dispute, all right? You know, people know. People remember, okay? All right, I guess so. Uh, RKBC, well, it's time for you to make us remember you and for all the silly things you do. Take it away, good yes. sir. No, Luke, it's, yeah, thank you. Here's what we do in this part, okay? We scour the globe, the highs and lows, the good and the bad, the in-between, the ugly, and all that stuff. From combat sports and beyond, it's called, Have You Seen This Shit? Have you seen this shit? Luke, let's open up its own chapter for the women's strawweight bout on Saturday night. Cheyenne Bays versus Montserrat Conejo Ruiz. It started at the weigh-in, Luke. Check out your girl Montserrat's uh, bunny ears, ink tats, and then this little piece of business to close. Okay, okay. Uh, Luke, that, 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 uh, that spilled over into the fight. There was a lot of weird grappling and transitions, and this is where Cheyenne accused Montserrat of spitting on her, Luke. Your thoughts? Did you see any actual spit fly? I didn't. I don't know, but we saw middle fingers. How about Cheyenne saying, I'll follow you home, bitch? 
This guy, look, this was almost like Strike Force Nashville. Like, hey, guys, we're on national television here, right? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I'll follow you home. That's a, that's a threat, you know. That's a. <laughs> my, my hunch is she might have done that once or twice. <laughs> She's probably if she actually did follow Conejo home, it wouldn't be the first home she followed a, 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 a another lady too. Well. Footage resurfaced from Cheyenne Baze's uh, Dana White Contender Series fight where she swore down her opponent as well. So she's a little feisty. And then, Luke, here is uh, the winner, Montserrat, getting all Betch Cohea on her ass. Luke, I did pop for this, okay? This was a little bit shameless, but this was like, you know, what are you going to do about it, right? Bro, you down with this? dancing in Latin America, or they go, they go hand in hand, bro. Uh, th- she's the Mexican Betch Cohea, and I think I'm, I'm here for this. I think I am, Luke. So, uh... Congratulations on this victory. I hope you didn't get followed home. But that was uh, some kind of theater these two ladies put on on Saturday. Luke, also on UFC Vegas, you mentioned Bantamweight Adrian Yanez. Let's just get a look at this sick KO of Gus Lopez. Mm. Oh, boy. God damn. I mean, that is... Feels good to watch that, right? That is sick. That is just amazing. I mean, the timing on that could not be better. You could not have. It's not possible. Oof. That is just perfect. Luke, there were a lot of cont- so many contenders for knockout of the night. Did you see Bantamweight Montel Jackson? This is how he do it, Luke, against Jesse Strader in round one. Oh, got to keep your hands up on the clinch break, guy. Yeah. Tries to yeah, sit for the I mean, alligator roll. Good action. A lot of- I guess that wasn't the finish. Is this the finish? This guy's know. got bad defense. Not bad defense. He's got porous defense on his left side. Maybe it's see not where the, the knockout finish. comes what from. What do I know? Let's see where the knockout comes from. I actually did not see this fight. He switched. Let's see. Left hook. Oh. Didn't matter. All right. Well, Luke, uh, Bruno Ooh, Silva Jesus. also had a heck of a... Uh, that's violent. That's violent shit right there. Uh, Grant Dawson had a finish with one second left. We don't have that in here, but he- check out Bruno Silva beating up Cheyenne's husband, JP Bays, Luke. Okay, Rough I will say this. His family. tattoos are excellent. They're very good. He's got a portrait on the his Bays- left shoulder there. It's really quite quite good. Uh, oh. The Bays clan went Oprah too. A heck of a knockout there for, uh, for Bruno Silva. But Luke... Uh, uh, I loved his celebration even more. Did you see this shit as Bruno Silva was exiting the octagon? Yeah, dude. He's in, he's athletic. I'll put it that way. Dude, that, you're that, 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 that tall ass lurch loved... motherfucker in the back nearly got blitzed. I was going to say your Armenian coach would have loved the head movement here from uh, from that security <laughs> guard. Nice work. Yes. All right. <laughs> Luke, let's move over to the NCAA Division I Wrestling Championships from over the weekend. Luke, one of our best viewers, Lee Selker, has I been on this. me to get all over Gable Stevenson from Minnesota. He's your heavyweight champion, and at 285 pounds, Luke, Look check out his, his now-patented backflip. Luke, our boy Lee, who, by the way, sent us some Peruvian uh, spices that he wants you to try out that his wife is into, um, he says that Gable is the next big thing in either pro wrestling or MMA, and he's going to have his pick. Luke, what are your thoughts about this guy? Yeah, this isn't even the best angle. I watched this guy win. He was, lo- I won't say he was losing, but he was, he was going sort of halfway through two periods and then just rolled past this other dude who he had faced, I think, in, I don't know, Big Ten, Big 12 finals, whatever. 
this dude from Michigan. And then he, and if you watch it from the other angle, BC, this flip, you see the elevation he gets. This dude is nearly 300 pounds. And he's out there doing That's a, uh, a, you know, a back handspring with a turnover. I mean, that is crazy athletic. So wins a national title, and, but, does a huge flip, and uh, is a showman as well. Shit. I, that guy can do whatever the fuck he and wants. And if you're named... And if you're named Gable as your first name, you better you better freaking. I think wrestle. his middle so name, by the way, is I think his middle name is Dan, and he was giving a shout out to Dan wow. Gable, and his name is Gable Dan, whatever his last name is, Sterling, whatever it is, Stevenson. Might as well just name him Gable Sanderson Stevenson, whatever the hell his name is. Shout out to our boy Lee Sucker who did wrestle at Duke. So shout out to that guy for pointing us out to this. Luke, let's go to one championship here, Ayaka Zombie Mayura. Luke, what the hell submission is this? So that is a that is essentially a uh, paintbrush or an americana with her legs. She's going to drive the elbow forward and the hand back That's in place great. by driving her hips up like that, and it, and it torques the elbow in the wrong direction. So it's a from a scarf. The position is called a scarf hold, and then from here, these are judo players who are very very good at this. They they particularly excel. Nobody loves Japanese MMA more than me, Luke. And this is, uh, yeah, that's a I don't know soup. what country this was in. One championship, maybe. That is great. That's a great finish right yeah, there. Yeah, I can't Shout hear out you because you're that one. McDonald's wife. Uh, Luke, it's time for regional. Oh, good. Maybe I won't get in trouble for what I said. Luke, regional MMA where any fucking thing can happen. I can hear you. I can hear Four you. Four seconds in and we got some <laughs> testifying, Luke. Get ready. Jesus, bah, get the fuck out of my face. You know what? Jesus didn't tap, BC, and neither Four should Four seconds you. in. Wow, look at... Damn right. Look at the background here, Luke, at this regional show. There's, like, tables and shit. I think this might be, like, a bingo hall with, like, some actual bingo going on in the background, Luke. Yeah, this is a community where I there's probably not a lot you can hear me do. anymore... I, I would agree with that. I can hear you. He I can hell hear of you, a four-second finish. Okay, let's move on to Miami, Luke. Spring, I don't know if you've been watching the news, but spring break is going well. Super spreaders uniting, Luke. This little get-together uh, forced a uh, 8 p.m. curfew in the city of Miami Beach. Your thoughts? <laughs> I mean... They appear to be having a good time. I don't. I don't know what. I don't even know what we are. You ever see other people, and they seem like otherwise nice and normal, or normal enough anyway. And then you realize that you and this person have nothing. You don't look at the world the same way, not even a little bit. And they might say, "Oh, look, that's me and you," but it's not me and you because we love MMA. I. I don't have. When I say nothing in common with these people, BC, there isn't enough money in the world to get me to go hang out with these people. All right, Luke. Uh, younger Luke Thomas, maybe. Whatever. Maybe. Right, maybe. Gino? Maybe. Who knows? Right. Well, no, Luke, I tend to uh, listen the, to science. The police are having trouble corralling everybody down there on Miami Beach. Check out this guy getting away, Luke. I don't know what they put him in the cruiser for, but his buddies jacked the back door. And we free, brother. We free. White guys on parade. Here we go. <laughs> that is fucking <laughs> awesome. Dude, when I was in New Orleans once, I was walking down the street, and uh, I was in Bourbon Street, obviously. Where else would I be? 
And, uh, you know, I was drunk and hammered. And there was this girl who was a total fucking mess. And she was really mad at the people in the balcony because she wanted beads. And she was showing the goods on the street for the beads. But the dudes who were throwing the beads at her were, like, chucking in her face. And they kept hitting her hard, you know. And she was getting super bitter about it. And I felt bad. But what are you going to do? You just, you know, people are going to do what they got. So finally, she gets mad at them. And then one of their girls comes down to fight the other girl who was flashing the things and then getting the beads thrown in her face. They start rolling around. You've been to Bourbon Street, right? Yes. Okay. Dude, they're rolling around on the street in Bourbon Street with like the horse manure and piss and vomit and beer and grenades that have spilled everywhere, the hand grenades, you know? So then the cops come. (laughs) And now, you think I'm making this up. This was the craziest shit ever. Now the cops come and they're trying to arrest it. And then the one girl who was not with the, she was the one who was in the street originally, the crazy one, she starts fighting the cops. So they taser her as they chuck her into the van. And it was, the sun hadn't even set, I don't think. That was my, that was a night in New Orleans. And then a horse bit my hand, BC. <laughs> I tried to pet, uh, I tried to pet drunk. <laughs> I, I was drunk and I tried to pet, you know how they always have the, the cops on horseback there? I tried to pet one of the, the cops' horses and he let me for a second and then bit my fucking hand and it hurt like shit. He left a knuckle imprint in it for like a month. <laughs> what was the name of the horse in Half-Baked Buttercup, Luke? <laughs> so, something like that, I forget. Remember? Yeah. I don't know, but that motherfucking horse bit my hand. Uh, Luke, we got a new spring break sport. It's called Bowling for White Chicks. Check out this third guy in this video, Luke. Okay, no, whoa, what happened? What happened, Manich? I was like, this no is spring bowling break? For white chicks? No, this ain't no spring break. Bro, bro, 5C, 5C. <laughs> on your bingo card. On your... We don't have that. All right, Luke, fast forward. Here we go. Dizone Damn, that's, and- that sounded good, so- too. I wanted to see that. Uh, Sinisa Estrada, who, Luke, we saw her beat up that soccer mom last year. She was back against a real fighter and a world champion, Luke. Check out this early knockout she had in which the ref not only grabbed her her boobs, but knocked her over. Your thoughts on that, Luke? You know what? Some of these guys will just do what they can to get what they can. (laughs) Under the auspices of... uh, Yeah. yeah, Creeps. Creeps. Nice little finish there for Superbad. I believe she won a decision. It, it was a big-time win for a rising young fighter. All right, Luke, remember when they used to show those insane dramatized videos during Driver's Ed of bloody accidents to scare you about the severity of driving? Check out this video about the severity of forklift driving. Look, this is great. This is so good. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> Dude, what the fuck is this shit? It's so good, right? Yeah. It's a fucking snuff film. I get it. The shit is dangerous. Watch the old guy in the in the break room coming up. Look, it's so good. Oh. <laughs> Luke, don't forget that I was uh, forklift certified as recently as 2006. Okay, don't ever forget that. Thank you. Thank you, Luke. Yes. yes. I wish you would saw into your own thigh like that. Yes. Uh, hey, let's move on, Luke. It's International Women's Month, but I don't think this is what they had in mind when Title IX was created. Can we check this out, guys? Do we have this? No, we don't have it. What the hell's going on today, folks? You got number eight or no? Do we have that? No? Number nine? No? 
number nine. BC, when, BC, let me ask you a question. When this happens where you throw to the production element and it gets fucked up, who should I blame? Because I'm going to blame Probably somebody. Is it your fault or is it their fault? Gaff and Manich try their best to, to you know, to sort out the bullshit I give them. And uh, But hey, let's, Luke, what the hell's going on here, Luke? This, this can't be Title IX regulated. Oh, jeez. Oh, dude, he's swinging on her. Oh, what the fuck, man? No, he's going for it, bro. He's going for it. Dude, what Slavic country is this? This is how they settle marital debutes in Belarus, Luke, okay? Marital disputes? What is this? Honor Killings FC? Jesus Christ. (laughs) She's in high heels, Luke. What is this? Dude, this is fucked up. I can't watch this (laughs) shit. Yeah, get this off. Manish, you were... Manish was probably right on trying to skip this. All right, let's go to some Muay Thai, Luke. Check out this front kick from hell, brother. Oh. Oh, 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 God. Oh, pack that guy up into an attache case, right? Let's call Jesus. him Samsonite. Let's put a handle on him. <laughs> oh, God, wow. That's a nice shot, too. He yes. thought the guy was going to walk into the punch, and he stops to plant and then takes advantage of his low hand on his other side. See his hands well, by yeah, his waist you and might his left. Wanna, you might want to pick that guy's soul out of your toe hair. I mean, that is just unbelievable, Luke. Yes. Yeah, dude. Wow. Yeah, wipe right, your feet Luke, when you hey, go uh, home. Wipe, wipe your feet on your welcome mat when you go home. I think your opponent is stuck in your shoe. <laughs> Luke, uh, Habib Nurmagomedov officially retired this week, and Russian fans are celebrating his great legacy. Luke, look at this. <laughs> this would be racist if they're not white. You know that, right? It's great, Luke. You don't follow. Look at this Russian. It's the best. It's the best thing going on on Instagram, Luke. Come on. I can't. I can't Luke, say that I'm this is my number one go to on the gram. <laughs> Luke, B, you have to understand. Not only am I half Lithuanian, but uh, Lithuania was under Russian control for most of my youth, Luke. Okay, so uh, you know. Mm. Yes, thank you. So, Luke, inevitably, these are my people. Especially that guy in the far right coming up. Look, that guy's the best. Not that guy, that guy. Yes, yes. All right. Whew. All right, Luke, this will be you and me making the walk of shame to the Jersey City train station the morning after we reach 100,000 subscribers on YouTube, Luke. The Who's going to be in the car? <laughs> Damn, dude. She's out there just sunning her. her. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, meth is a hell of a drug, Luke. Um, I know that you used to pay $100 for a haircut, Luke. It's the most obscene thing I've ever heard. But if you could get this pulled off, that might be worth it. What do you think of this, Luke? Damn, bro. You let, what did someone do? Like, they fucking Photoshop your hair? I mean, that is terrible. Dude, I would pay 100 for that. That is legit. If I can find a barber down here in San Juan who can do that. It's like you sort of admire yes. the art behind it, and then you're like, you couldn't go anywhere with this fuckboy haircut. Oh, there's a lot of places you could go, Luke. Would you lots, get married lots, with this haircut? Lots. Damn right. I got no issues with that. Uh, Luke, Justin Gaethje may be out of the lightweight title picture, but uh, endorsement deals are flying. Let's check out this. Protect yourself at all times. You know what I mean? Swipe up below for a chance to win some Trojan swag, like this hoodie and a gym bag full of condoms. Signed by me. Protect yourself at all times. You know what I mean. Swipe up below for a chance to uh, win some Trojan swag. Now wait a second. Is he gonna like sign the condoms? Gym bag full of condoms. Signed by me. 
<laughs> Luke, enter now to, to receive a uh, a signed gym bag full of condoms from Justin the Highlight Gaethje, Luke. Yes. I'd rather have a yes. gym bag filled with signed condoms. Like, you know, you're about to bang, you're about to bang, and you pull open your Trojan condom, and you're like, thanks, Justin Gaethje. And then you go to town. That's a great day. <laughs> Right? That's pretty that's weird, but that's MMA. All right, Luke, it's time to rate that tat, okay? Let's start off with boxer Devin Haney, who got a tattoo on his right leg of his knockout of Alfredo Santiago. And, Luke, this one is intense. Let's hear your thoughts as we transition to the next slide. Oh, God. That's not great. The, yeah, well, Luke, not, the artistic not. detail is... The artistic detail is like well above Mr. Uh, Hebas, right? It's pretty good. Spot on par. It's a little bit better. It's not. It's not great. It's not great at all. Wow. Okay. All Dude, right. look at the look at the guy who got knocked down's face. Does that look like a normal human face to you? No, it does not. The referee Ooh. looks better. Look, you're uh, the Simon Cowell of tattoos. All right, bro. I send you good tattoos all the time. They don't look like this. You know that. And you know I'm right, too. I think that's good artwork. I'm sorry. I think that's no. good artwork. I, you know, if I was, I'm, I'm not mad at it. Okay, there look, are parts right. of it that are okay, but there's a lot of parts of it that are kind of fucked up. All right. All right. Uh, how about this guy's arm, Luke? He wanted Tomb Raider Lara Croft. So let's play the video and see if, it, if it's a dead-on look, Luke. Oh, motherfucker. Did he get some shit job? I love it when tattoos are cleaned with a guy with no gloves. That's always a good sign. Um, gotta uh, tell you, that's level. This is. Uh, she looks like that. You ever seen those? Uh, you ever seen that? Oh no! Oh, that's bad. Yeah, that's bad. That's. <laughs> That's pretty bad, Luke. Yeah. Okay. That's that's not great. She looks like that. You ever seen that, like the blob fish that they find at the bottom of oceans? You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Yes. That's what I she do. looks like yes. here with two with two pistols. Is that Angelina Jolie? That does not look like her, Luke. Uh, let's go back to the boxing ring in England, Luke. Uh, the referee lets Maxie Hughes uh, pretty much take Hughes Highland Jr.'s soul here after the after this referee botch. Check out this. Okay, he's beating on him. Oh. Jesus. Oh, he lets it go? Oh, what oh, the fuck? Oh. That ain't cool, Luke. That ain't cool at all. Bro, these rules of this boxing match are brutal. Jesus, what is this? Oh, boy. <laughs> well, you know what? It got stopped. It got stopped. So, like, you can't complain too much. But that was granddad. Jesus. He's been fucking early, huh? Yeah, that's, uh, you know, once somebody turns, that's why they have that rule in boxing that if you turn your back on the action, the referee can stop the action right there and end the uh, fight because yeah. you're defenseless. You're, you're, you're basically saying I'm done. You know what I'm saying? So that's not good. Wow. Hey, Luke, good news. Manich has tracked down um, our new spring break sport, bowling for white chicks. Yes, here we go. Let's check this out. First flip successful. Oh, no. Second okay. flip successful. All right. Oh. <laughs> oh, 
that's great. That is great stuff. Look at that. It's so good. Shit. Tough spring break this year. Yep, it is. All right, let's get back on track here, Luke. Um, our street fight of the week. Flipping for crackheads. Check this out, Luke. Wow, dude. He really... <laughs> he went ass over tea kettle, didn't he? Yes, yes, he did, Luke. Yes, he did. It kind of looks like the guy in Billy Madison who uh, Billy gave the company to at, at the end, right? No, it looks like Dr. Fauci took an L. <laughs> Doesn't it? It's like, dude, why is Dr. Fauci wearing jorts and taking L's in street fights? I don't know, but here it is. There it is. I got one more for you, Luke. Hold on, 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 hold on. You know, BC, what's the dead giveaway that this guy is obviously some kind of street vagrant? Um, there's many Luke, but how about the, yeah. the wet, the wet stain on his left leg? <laughs> that's big. I agree that that's big. I'm going to say, watch the right hand in the pocket. It never leaves either. Cause he's too hammered to move it or cause he's holding on to drugs as he falls. Oh boy. Yeah. I'd like to see that guy who, who scored the knockout against fake Jeff Goldblum, who had the fight in Richmond in front of your sister's house. Oh Yeah. Yeah, we got to do a street fight like tournament. We should actually become street fight promoters. Uh, it'd be great. All right, Luke, I got one more. It's uh, white people being white people doing flaming mo shots. Check this out. Mm. Or maybe it's how flaming. Could this, how could this go poorly? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, not smart. These are. Manich, uh, can we big screen? Can we can we full screen this, Manich? There's a lot going on in this video. This is great. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> Look at that guy's face, Luke. <laughs> this is, uh, you it's know. It's peak honky. It's peak honky, Luke. It is. It's, it this is, great. is. They celebrated this by by playing uh, Smash Mouth and banging their sisters. I don't know. It's something, <laughs> something awful, I'm sure. Well, that's the shit, Luke. We've seen it. We've seen it all. All right. Thank you. I just can't. I can't believe that they're white, guy. It's just so out of character, BC. It doesn't make any sense. No, How could I'm that with be? You on that, uh, BC. Time for odds and ends. What do you got? Uh, Habib Nurmagomedov here uh, was in the crowd at UFC Vegas over the weekend, and he uh, he ended up doing an interview with Megan O'Leary, Luke, that they used as sort of a teaser to check out the post game show. As I got camera issues, that's all right though. Um, Luke. No surprise, and this probably should be the last time we talk about this, but this was the final piss, p missing piece of evidence in this whole ridiculous Habib retirement saga where we were always like, you know what? We haven't actually heard from Habib. Luke, he admitted in the interview that not only, yes, he is done, which we already knew the other day, but that he never actually had any intention coming back, nor did he actually ever tell Dana at any point that he was even considering possibly coming back. I mean, I don't right. know what I want you to say. I just want to put the final stake in it where you always say, hey, look, we love Dana, right? He's given us all these great fights. He's a big part of us making a living now. Yes, he'll trash us in, or me in a four minute video if he needs to. But um, maybe we don't believe everything he says without fact checking it. I don't believe anything he says without fact checking it. This was just sort of the final, like, um, well, what about you, uh, Habib and Usada? Or what about, uh, will Habib accept 50 million? Um, shout out to Habib for being true to his mother, which is what he said in that interview. 
and uh, it, it's done. It's over. We will never mention it again. He he said he actually told Megan Luke, "I've been retired for five to six months." That's what they originally titled the video yes. on ESPN MMA's YouTube channel, and then they changed it. Um, uh, you can imagine why, because it makes Dana look bad. Why? Why would you accept? I mean. Okay, I understand it. Dana is the president of a major corporation, and a lot of times what he says is true, or at least ends up being true. But on what basis could you possibly argue that you are in good standing by taking anything he says at face value? I would never do that. Never, ever. I would always try to get another perspective on it. Um, and uh, to, or to corroborate it. I'm not telling you he's not telling you the truth. He very well, very well might be. But there's an inconsistency enough that just accepting it blindly? No, that seems like a bad idea. All right, for me, BC, uh, I wonder what you make of this, Brian. I didn't know what to make of it, but I found it kind of interesting. Chop Chop Corley, Demarcus, uh, what was his first name? I always get this part wrong. Uh, yes, Demarcus, Demarcus Corley, Chop sorry. Chop Corley, Luke. Yeah, Chop Chop Corley. He came back at BKFC. He looked to be in pretty good <laughs> shape, BC. Um, but he lost the fight, retired after the fourth round, basically, and told the referee that he quit. Now, BC, Corley's 46, and when Malinaji fought Lobov, he was long past, you know, washed at that point. But I got to tell you, I'm a little bit surprised that the boxers, even in those conditions, have done not well in BKFC. No. Is there anything to that? Well, it's hard to, it's interesting, right? And we know that the BKFC rules allow for the, the clinching and dirty boxing that, that you know, we, or Randy Couture style in MMA. Yes. Sorry, Luke. I got I mean, I'm burping on air today. Yeah, but hold on, hold on. It's more than that. They start closer. The rounds are shorter. Obviously, they're not wearing gloves. There's just a lot well, that's different. Right. And mostly what we're finding out from talking to the fighters is, you know, you can't you can't load up on your shots. You got to be really strategic and all this stuff. It is surprising to me for how many we're seeing so many more washed MMA fighters end up in this. And we're seeing very few former at all. But at the same time, Luke, I'm not seeing people dominate or overuse and abuse the So that's not like the excuse. The excuse isn't like, oh, they're utilizing skill sets that boxers have never had to deal with. They're not just they're just not having success. But at the same time, look, it's washed Paulie and it's hella washed Demarcus Corley, who look, I mean, it feels like 20 years ago when he rocked Floyd Mayweather in their fight and, and rocked Miguel Cotto in their fight and sort of, you know, was a world class 140 pound fighter back then. So I don't. This is the wrong case study to compare. But yes, it's weird that boxers. That I mean, there there's no shortage of wash boxers out there who are looking for one last payday. You don't see a lot of them going to BKFC. It's interesting, Luke. So again, I, I, I'm not saying oh boxers are bad in BKFC. These are two fights, smallest sample size ever, and two guys well past their prime. But I don't know. It just seemed a little strange. Uh, all right, BC, um, you want to follow me or the other one over there, you certainly may. You can follow us on Twitter, on Instagram, and MK is everywhere on social. Same name everywhere, but obviously, as you can see, BC and I have slightly different names between Twitter and Instagram between us there. If you want to email the show, we want to get your submissions in, which we'll do on Wednesday, our dead wrongs on Friday. Morningcombat at gmail.com is the place for that. And uh, you want to buy some merch like this wonderful Tumblr, BC? You can go to store.show.com. 
that and much more is available there. More merch on the way. And then if you want to try Showtime uh, for the Bell Tour experience, or, you know, not up to you, but it's going to be on there starting in April, you can go to show.com slash MMA. You see the URL right down there. $4.99 a month for the first six months. Again, you get to watch Bellator. You get to watch Showtime Championship Boxing and everything else on demand. It's the entire Showtime experience. So that should be a lot of fun. Look, uh, I'd, like to, um, I'd like to apologize to Manish and the viewers for ming. I effed up my camera. I hit the cord. I'm sorry about that. Um, I did want to plug our, our stuff, Luke. I had a nice sit down with Emmanuel Sanchez that's going to be on YouTube, I believe, today. Um, ahead of that April 2nd Bellator MMA debut. Also, you and I, as we talked about last week, did record some very professional-looking extended previews, not only of how we got here in the Featherweight World Grand Prix and what to expect in Pitbull uh, Sanchez 2, but also a full preview of the 205-pound bracket. I believe the Featherweight one launches today on YouTube. Is that a truth, Luke? Is that a fact? Um, I don't know. I thought it was the 27th that it went up. No? Uh, all right. Maybe we should check our facts. Anyway, I'm going to have a nice chat with the champ, Stipe Miocic, tomorrow. So a lot of good content coming people's way, Luke. Maybe we'll do another resume review. You want to, You want in on that? Uh, okay. Do you believe that there's a resume review curse? Well, we're going to find out. If Francis Ngannou sends Stipe to... Uh, to Hades, Luke, on Saturday, uh, we're gonna. It's gonna be a trifecta. It's gonna be three in a row. So um, maybe you should, you sh maybe you should consider who you say. Hey, BC, why don't we resume review this guy? I mean, do you really want a hand in changing the fortune of MMA cosmically, Luke, with your with your voodoo dolls that you do, the, the voodoo that you do when we do this uh, MMA resume review here? Uh, let's be a little bit careful. We already ruined Connor. Okay, you already gave Izzy an L. Do you want that on your conscience to end Stipe's title reign? By, I don't by believe in that. I see, here's the thing. I don't believe in that kind of nonsense, but certain people do. And so for those reasons, I'd be curious to see if you did. I don't believe in that, though. BC, you were right. Road to Bellator MMA Pitbull versus Sanchez 2 will debut on Monday, March 22nd, while the Road to Bellator MMA Light Heavyweight Grand Prix will premiere one week later, Monday, March 29th on Showtime Sports and Bellator MMA YouTube channel. So it should be out today. Be on the lookout. Uh, Manish, did we lose BC? Where is he? No, we didn't. We saw your camera get unplugged, and we have lost you on the live view. So great job. All right, well, all right, well I'm going to close it out from here. Thanks to everyone who watched Showtime, Mulka, CBS Sports. We're back on Wednesday. As BC said, we plugged all of our content. Please be on the lookout for our Road to Bellator MMA Pitbull versus Sanchez 2 special, which, by the way, BC hosts. And that's it. For Brian Campbell, I'm Luke Thomas. Until next time, may all of your gains be loyal.